I've noticed we're a lot more synced up since Jim got his faster internet. Hell yeah. It's it's almost like Jim not having terrible internet makes this an easier show to produce. It's almost like Comcast <laughs> a piece of shit. It's it's almost like. It's almost like that. Yeah. Anyway, take me home. Take me home. West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. I'm a country music singer now. I'm a, I'm a country music singer. That's my country western styles. West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. Over there. That's where it is. Near the tree. <laughs> um. Right. Okay. Um. <laughs> I've been playing Fallout 76 is why. That was a good yeah. trailer. Let's let's talk about how good the trailer was <laughs> for Fallout 76. Let's talk about how good the announcement trailer was. It had Take Me Home Country Roads and it was well applied. It had a good song that was applicable to where the game was set and I enjoyed that song set to that music. Yeah. The, the, the trailer was benefited by its choice of music. That is some thoughts on Fallout 76's trailer. I think the thing about the trailer is it was engaging. It, it intrigued... And was interesting. It, it it was alive, unlike literally anything in Fallout 76. It yeah, it had things moving, um, colours, <laughs> shapes, sounds. Uh, it didn't stutter every four minutes. <laughs> Although I don't think it was more than four minutes long. If it had, maybe it would have stuttered. Um I don't know if anyone's picked up, any of the listeners have picked up. Um, that I'm passively aggressively taking side swipes at Fallout 76. West Virginia! Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do this now that we've mentioned it, by the way. Country road, take me home to the place where I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Country road. Sorry, I had to do it. As soon as you mentioned it, I knew it had to be done. Have some fun playing, boy. Don't apologize for it. Can I, like, replace the experience of playing Fallout 76? Can I instead (laughs) just listen to you sing that song on loop? Let's talk about how good Gavin's rendition of Take Me Home Country Roads was. How engaging it was. How much uh, there was about it that I was like, ah, that was that was a thing that I, I hadn't experienced before. And now I, I feel like I, I, I've gained something because of this experience. The best thing about Gavin singing there was it didn't feel like Fallout 4 with all of the interesting content gutted. That's what I liked most about <laughs> Gavin's song. So, we're all loving Fallout 76, huh? It's a bit boring, isn't it? It's a bit dull. Like, it's not even offensively boring. It's just a bit dull. It's a very strange game, and I don't know what to think of it, to be honest. I don't know who it's for. Who Who's it made for? It It seems to be built for both um, PvP players and solo players, and yet by doing that, they've made a game that's miserable for both. Because the PvP doesn't really have any legs and the playing i've only been playing it solo i've run into another person maybe twice in four hours and we wanted nothing to do with each other which was absolutely fine with me (laughs) yeah that's been most of it i did help someone like i bumped into about four people Mm -hmm. um i did someone was fighting some dogs 
some of the mutant dogs and I helped out and then they did a little heart emoticon to thank me. And that was nice. One person had a mic on and said that I had nice hair, um, which was fun. That's nice of them. I turned off the voice chat in the character creation because (laughs) nothing immerses me into the Fallout universe like some people going, hello, hello, hello. While I'm trying to create my fucking character. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I got one of them. I immediately turned it off, which, by the way, muted all the sound in the game <laughs> until I restarted the game. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm playing PS4, um, which is always better for me because less, fewer people have mics. Let's yeah. um, say so one person did. And two people did. Someone, I had a similar thing, character creator, and someone was nattering on. Um, bumped into someone. They said I had nice hair. Rescued someone from a dog. But just before I had to leave to record, I bumped into two people at once and they gathered around my camp while I was just storing junk and did offer to team up, but I had to go, so I didn't. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really tried any of that yet. But for mo- the most part, it is wandering around a Fallout map without a story. Like, there are quests, but they're not... They have no real tales to tell. they got nothing to say. What feeling this game gives me, right? There's um a big Fallout mod that came out recently. Is it um was it Fallout New? I can't remember what they ended up calling it, but when I played it, New Chungus. When I played it, it was called Project Brazil, and this is like three years ago when they started building it. And you could play it in an unfinished state. You could do the vault, come out into the map, and the map was completely empty, but you could still explore it, and it was waiting to be populated by all the stories and NPCs. That's kind of the same feeling that I'm getting from Fallout 76. It feels like the skeleton of a game. Yeah, like I've played it for about about four hours so far. Yeah. And I spent, I've spent all of it thinking like, are we going to get to a town where there will be like, at the very least, like, a, a, you know, a, a quasi MMO or something. At the very least, a quest giver just stood there with a star above his head or something. I'm currently at the biggest town in the game after four hours, and all that's there is more holotapes. It's nothing but tapes, isn't it? Pre recorded shit. Holotapes is a very difficult way to tell a story, even if you, as I have been doing, have been trying to treat this game like a walking sim and trying to enjoy it that way. But. There's a couple of things that really hold that back. A, no one's going to listen to those when they're with their friends. And B, I don't know why they've done this, but they've mapped the holotape volume to the sound effects rather than the voice. Oh. So if you turn up the voice and down the effects so you can hear the damn things, you're actually turning down the holotapes. Uh, oh. And, and they're kind of hard to hear at times, so you just kind of tune out, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel and 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 they're not, they're 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 interesting little stories and everything. But every so often, I just remember, well, everyone's fucking dead, so you know, I can't help these people. I can't do anything. All I'm gonna be able to do is go and loot some fucking instamash off their corpse. You know. Yeah. So what's the point? What is it? it's making me a nihilist? <laughs> I get I get that it's post-apocalypse, but then so have all the others, and they weren't desolate. They weren't just. A dead world. It's it's weird to think that a game that they're like, they're roping in other players around the world to help populate the world. So like, there should be additional people in this world because it's online and it still feels emptier. Yeah. Well, it's like other players 
can't fulfill the role of NPCs. No. They're just wandering around trying to find their own fucking content. And in, in my short experience so far, none of us want anything to do with each other. That's yeah, that's been mostly my experience, apart from that one time before I just before I had to leave. I think most people are getting on. I've seen a couple of people wandering around together. I'm like, yeah, they're probably having fun, you know, good for them. And I'm sure I'll try it with friends at some point, but it's going to be the same thing I know of that day where myself and my buddy stood on the tower in Destiny for three hours chatting and had a really great time with Destiny, but it wasn't Destiny was the reason that we were having a great time. <laughs> no, you had a great time in Destiny, not with Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I... I don't know what the point of this is other than ticking off boxes on a marketer's sheet somewhere um, just to say they've done it um, and they have it. Uh, the real-time VATS is rubbish. Mm. It's just auto-target and, and press a button. And because the characters, you know, enemies move around so frequently, the percentage to hit can change dramatically within nanoseconds. Unlike Destiny which is built from the ground up, from the engine up as a shooter. This game is not. And no, yeah. I love Fallout. I've, oh, I've, it's my favourite series, well, until right now, but it's not built as a, shoot, a very good shooter. Well, they forget that Vats was put in specifically because, as a shooter, Fallout is shit. Well, I think, I think on top of that, like part of what they've forgotten when making this game is that mechanics you explicitly design for a single-player game might not 100% of the time translate properly to an always online multiplayer experience. Yes. Like, yeah. that is a great example of a mechanic that it only works in a single player experience because the joy of it is slowing down the world around you. And that doesn't work in a real time world with other people. Yeah. yeah. And real time VATS is just a bad system. Yeah. They've tried to implement it because it's in Fallout, not because it works for this game. Yes. Mm. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. It, they are basically trying to make everything that makes Fallout work work in a multiplayer environment, but what makes them work is that they are specifically built for a single-player environment. Mm. Um, and they're just... Like, Vats was an answer to the bad gunfire, like, the, the, the bad gun system in Bethesda's games, and now they're trying to f fix Vats again. Vats was an answer to turn-based combat originally, and I think that by putting it in Fallout 3, they both... They found a way to both satisfy the people who wanted that turn-based feel and also the people who didn't want to play a clunky shooter. Yeah, and now all we've got is a clunky shooter. And, and, and to be fair, the controls in this are much better than they were in Fallout 3. Like, much, much better. And it's not, it's not a terrible shooter by any means. I mean, it works and the aiming is fine and everything. I wish I'd started from the outset, like, pumping stuff into strength. Like, I should have just went melee because half the time I'm hitting them with the gun I'm holding. It's just quicker and easier. I've been playing this like Skyrim with a big fucking battle axe because yeah. you, wa you, you walk into a dungeon and immediately there's five or six ghouls swamping you, running up at your, your feet and... You know, the easiest way to deal with it is just to mindlessly swing a melee weapon at them. Yeah. It's not, it's not too late. I mean, it, the, the, the stats seem a bit more, a bit less specific. Mm. Like, like, you can't really build a super specialized character from the looks of it so far. Um, so I could just start toting a melee weapon around. I'm using my gun as a hitting stick half the time. I like that you can change things on the fly. 
I'm to be honest with you, I've been just using my perk cards to negate the many inconveniences in the game. Like how how prominent rads are. I'm yeah. Fucking hell. That was a problem in Fallout 4. Like considering this is, you know, based clearly on on Fallout 4. I had a big problem with that in that game, like rads building up so quickly. But Fallout 4 let you buy rad away. This game has well, no yes. rad away anywhere. <laughs> it's really hard to find. So the like I have three layers of lead belly now on my character, which is the perk that stops you getting radiation from food and drink. Because, you know, like every game seems to nowadays need a naggy little food and drink meter. Yeah, I was disappointed when I saw that. I'm like, there's again, there's a reason why that is an optional element to Fallout games. But now they've made it mandatory. At least at least this one tells you how hungry you are, unlike unlike Arthur Morgan. <laughs> um yeah, I was gonna say something else about the game. Sorry, I keep interrupting but... uh, it's oh no no, it's fine, it's fine. Uh I can't remember. It is a fallout after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but yeah. I, I just, I've jumped into it a few times, and I just, I don't know what is supposed to be the hook. Mm. Like, I don't know what bit of this experience is meant to be keeping me engaged. What what is meant to be the 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 gameplay loop or the like engagement cycle that is meant to keep me here? Yeah, yeah it's it's like they've. It's like they're still trying to work that out, and they'll probably patch stuff in, like a point. It feels like they have a functional world and functional tools, and they're like, okay, once it's everyone's in there, and it's not breaking, and they're doing all the things, and none of it's breaking, then we'll work out what to have them do. But we don't want to like worry about that until they're in the game and it's not broken. It is breaking, though. It is, though. It It is, though. Like, the creation engine, I'm, I mean... It's made some of my favourite games ever, but at this point I feel like it needs to be taken out the back of the shed and shot. Yeah. It's just so... It looks like a 10-year-old game in parts, you know? I don't know how it's going to... Yeah, it's not robust enough to support what they want to do with it. Mm. Um, I feel like maybe this game could have been a bit more engaging from the outset if they'd have had a game engine built from the ground up to support what they want to do. Mm. Um and like I say, the PS4 version, it's stuttering every few minutes. It, it's atrocious. I've been quite lucky, actually. I've, I heard the PC version was very unstable, but I've been lucky enough. I'm on a 1080 Ti, which is admittedly a very good graphics card, but it's one of the few games I actually can play in 4K without any slowdown on Ultra. So oh, that's something. They did something right. I'm very suspicious of those perk cards. Yeah, they're going to be sold later. Yeah, yeah, they look ripe for monetization. I mm-hmm. the moment I saw, oh, it's a bit like a loot box or a bit like you know card packs that EA mm-hmm. like to have. Um, oh dear. I'm getting really sick of the randomization of video games. Actually, like the 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 packs and cards things. Every time I see them now in games, instead of giving you a choice, kind of. Oh yeah, I mean, at the beginning of this generation, I I said I'm already sick of the word pack and it's only going to get worse. Um, The moment they realised they could start turning their games into Panini sticker albums, (laughs) video game executives shat, they just shat themselves, rainbow-coloured shit of pure ecstasy. Um, Yeah, that's not going to get better. 
that's not going to get better. There, there are moments in this game though, and usually it's when I go into a dungeon. Um, there are moments in it where I kind of forget what I'm playing, and it does start to feel like a good old Bethesda game because the dungeons feel as they should in this game because there's nice little stories to find in there, and you know they're very as as environmentally. This is probably the best world Bethesda has built. Like this, the 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 storytelling through the environment that they're known for is really good in this one. The thing about that is that that's always been a a kind of a side bonus. It's definitely one of the, my favorite things about Fallout, but it's always been a thing that's been given context. Yeah. By the world around it. It shouldn't be the utter linchpin of the fun. Yeah, and without that context, it all feels diluted because there's just no point to any of it because everyone's fucking dead. I also think it's quite telling that the those dungeon areas are the best bit. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the main point of this game's existence mm. because you strip away all of the you know, quasi-MMO shit. Like, it makes you roll your eyes every time you find a new holotape quest. Oh, sure. Because you're like, well, they're just, they're going to be a corpse, so why bother, you know? Yeah. You get these distress calls, and they go, oh, we're we're holed up here, come and uh, sensibize, and well, they're dead, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> why bother? Like, I'm going to keep playing it, like, at least one person on Twitter said it gets better in higher levels. But mm. if if it's just this, but more of it, I, I don't see the point. Mm. It's just another survival game at that point, and I'm sick of those. Yeah. Where are the characters? <laughs> Where are the characters? Where is the video game in this video game? Like I've been dropped in the world, and I'm like, okay, where where are the things to do, please? Where's the fallout in this fallout? Yeah, I've spent four hours so far. Like I said, I'm going to spend plenty more time with it, but I've spent four hours so far waiting for something to happen. Mm. And and as you say, Gab, it's, it's just hollow tapes. It's literally hollow tapes. Mm-hmm. It, it should tell you something that I've been more hooked. During the time since Fallout 76 has been available to me, I've been more invested in catching hundreds upon hundreds of tentacles in Pokemon just over and over the same Pokemon again and again and again. Laura, very, very subtly trying to steer the conversation there. <laughs> oh no, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But like, no, I've just, I've just been doing the same thing in a different game over and over. Just like, find the thing, catch it, watch the number go up. That's been more interesting than Fallout 76 so far. Riding across an empty landscape in Red Dead for five minutes at a time on my horse was more engaging than this because I knew there was something when I was going to get there. Exactly. There's a feeling you're working towards something. Mm. Speaking of, uh, very quickly, I finished the story in the epilogue in that game and Jesus mm. fucking Christ, my emotions. Oh my God. Yeah. It is their best written game, easily. Oh, by far. It made me. It made me want want them to do more serious stories. Actually. Yep. Same here. Yeah. Like, I I I totally agree. And I think at some point we're gonna try and do a more in depth spoilery chat about this. But like. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's it is the most cohesive, inter- interesting story they've done. Where I'm like, oh, okay, no, yeah, that you were telling a story that had a point. I think Arthur might just be the best protagonist in video games. And I didn't, which is funny because I didn't think I'd like him as much as John at first. But by the end of the game, I was like, Arthur's the best ever. He, I would want him to be like in every game forever. <laughs> I'm definitely not that high in my opinion, but like, 
is a pretty he's a pretty interesting character by by all means. He is he is a good character who's going to be remembered. I think in terms of Rockstar protagonists, easily the best. Oh god, yeah. Would no. only be beaten if Sadie was the protagonist instead. Because she's fucking brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I hope we get a Sadie DLC. <laughs> Love Sadie. I hope that huge big empty New Austin map is there for a Sadie DLC. <laughs> did you actually, did either of you explore that area of the map? It's completely empty. I presume they're just using it for the multiplayer or something. Yeah, I I did a little bit and was like, I may, maybe there's something coming. Maybe this is going to be DLC or maybe this is going to be... It, it seems odd how how much space there is dedicated to nothing. Mm. You, you might be right about it being part of the online, perhaps. There's one line in this game that Arthur says, and it's late in the game, and I don't think any character saying a line in a video game has fucking devastated me the way that line did. <laughs> I was just like, my heart is fucking broken. And like, it's weird because I found out later you only get that scene if you do things a certain way. And if you do things a different way, you you get a very, very different yeah. scene. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. But I feel bad for anyone who has to miss out on that wonderful acting and that wonderful moment. Yeah. yeah. It's hard not to spoil. <laughs> it's got no cynicism in it. That's what I like about that story. Mm. I mean, there's some, I guess, but it is Rockstar's least cynical game. It's very genuine. Yeah. I, I think there's something to be said Um for not trying to be contemporary because i think a lot of the problem with gta is they're trying to be current with pop culture and the state of the world at the time they release it and that as well as being like not always great because they're trying to comment on things that they've not really had the time to understand a lot of the things in that are put in early in development have aged poorly by the time the games come out, things like that. Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. I, I, I think there's definitely something to be said for Rockstar's level of detail and attention to something that is far enough in the past that it's not going to bec- start to feel dated and uh, and odd in the six years it takes them to make it or whatever it, it, whatever it is. Do you think that that's part of the reason, actually, that the... Like, whatever about mechanically, but story-wise, it seems to me the two most beloved GTA games are the um, are San Andreas and Vice City, the throwback ones. I, I don't doubt it in the slightest, because they, like, as soon as you've got, like, a decade or two's distance from an era, it's much easier to get a sense of what made that era interesting, rather than mm. trying to summarise something that feels... Very of its day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a wood for the tree situation and that sort of thing, where if you're in the middle of it, it's harder to really grasp it. I imagine a GTA set in the 70s. That'd be so fucking be, cool. Oh, yeah. I think they really do need to do... Like, the hottest thing right now would be to do a Vice City 2. They wouldn't call it that, but, you know, no. an 80s GTA, because of how hot 80s exploitation is at the moment with your Stranger Things and... Dozens of eighties yeah. movies right now. Culture is very neon right now. <laughs> well, like it, it falls into the same sort of camp as um, why Rockstar games like La Noire were so interesting. Yeah. Like again, I really enjoyed La Noire, and I think a good part of that was because it wasn't trying and being very awkward at trying to be current. You, you know, another reason they need to do an eighties one because 
Synthwave is goddamn great driving music. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I don't, well, they couldn't really put it in the game, though, could they? Because it, it didn't appear until a few years ago, but. No, they'll just have to have actual synth. Actual synth music. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think you could get away with some inauthentic, but feels like it's of the time synthwave. Yeah. yeah. You can manage that. On the subject of Red Dead and, and Rockstar and whatnot, I, I played through Red Dead Redemption. Um, ah. After the first, uh, yeah, yeah, not Red Dead Revolver, uh, Red Dead Redemption, um, the last one. People just forget Revolver happened. So the first Red Dead Redemption, um, it's a better game. It's not a better story at all. It's 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 made a better story by Red Dead Redemption Two, though, which is interesting. Yes, yes, because I never really got through all the way in Red Dead Redemption when it first came out. Um, and it is a different thing with the context of Red Dead Redemption 2. Because mm. story-wise, it's, you know, Rockstar at the time were not that deep. They were trying at the time to be more deep and more complex. But, you know, you see a character like uh, Javier, and he's just a bit of a stereotype. Mm. Dutch, a bit of a stereotype. Um, they're all I mean, Irish. 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 Good God. Fucking worst character ever. Good God. <laughs> um, you know, they're all... Even Williamson, who, you know... Yeah. Um, not a lot to him. Um, although there's not much to him in Red Dead Redemption 2 either, if we're honest. Um, you know, he's just always been a bit of a standard outlaw, dumb outlaw. Um, uh, he had a bit of a backstory, though, with the army and all that and, and in, in 2, and that was... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just in terms of development. Um, he doesn't really progress all that much. Um, no. But, yeah, yeah, like, I, I can't imagine caring at all about most of the story in Red Dead Redemption without Red Dead Redemption 2 backing it up. Um, but gameplay wise, it's mm. better. It's simpler, absolutely, but all the better for it. Jim, how can you call it better? It doesn't have testicles on horses that shrink in the weather. Oh, what it does have is you whistling for your horse, and no matter where it was on the map, it spawns near you. But J Jim, that's less accurate to reality. A horse can't hear you that far away. I just... I, it feels regressive, some of this stuff they the did. The horse can't feel, hear too. you, Jim. It feels utterly regressive. Jim, I know. the horse can't hear it, you. There's a sense of, um, I feel like, like as much as I love the writing in 2, uh, there were some things I felt it went a little off the rails with Dutch's arc and stuff. They never really... They never really gave him the motivations for what he was doing. They never explained it really well. And I was always like, this makes no sense why he's making these decisions. And 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 it, it affected the missions too, because the missions all started to play out the same way. Dutch has a stupid plan. Arthur complains. The plan goes horribly wrong. There's a big shootout. That's basically every mission <laughs> in the game. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, like going, again, going back to Red Dead Redemption, um... There is still a lot to, left to explain as to how Dutch got from where he was in Red Dead Redemption 2 to where he is in Red Dead Redemption. Mm. It's still very much... Th th this is not the same character at all. Um, so there is some... It doesn't do a great job with some of that. Um, but yeah, like mechanically, I, I enjoy Red Dead Redemption more, the original. 
Um, yeah. The horse being like spawning, which no, isn't realistic, but is actually just more convenient. Not not becoming wanted every five seconds. Not becoming wanted, not smacking into trees all the time. No health and stamina core to worry about. Looting's quicker. I feel like for me, the big difference is like, Red Dead 1 is a game that I can, I, I feel more able to just play through the game and to go, I'm gonna play through the game and that's what I'm doing. In order to enjoy Red Dead 2, I had to let myself just wander off the beaten track and take take a leisurely stroll through that game. It It's just two very different feels. Have you reached the epilogue yet? Whoa, wait till you reach the epilogue, because speaking of leisurely strolls... <laughs> yes, um... <laughs> But yeah, no, they're just two very different types of game that want you to play them very differently. There is a perfect game somewhere in between Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. There is some balance between them. There is a compromise that could be made that would be the perfect Red Dead Redemption game. I think the perfect Red Dead game is Red Dead 2 that understands that some conveniences while not accurate make the game more enjoyable and just letting you do those things and trusting the player to suspend their disbelief for a second making them an option yeah in in various mechanics red dead redemption feels like it could have been the sequel to red dead redemption 2 just on a mechanical level obviously not graphics or writing or anything like that it some some of the things in the original red dead feel like you could look at them and go, oh, that was a fix they made after complaints about Red Dead 2. That's it, yeah. That was that was something that people didn't like in Red Dead 2 that got fixed for this sequel. Feels like the kind of stuff people might mod out on a PC version. <laughs> oh, they, they made horses spawn near you. That's a convenient mod. <laughs> stuff like that. Or, you know, not, not, not becoming wanted for defending yourself against the cannibals that are trying to murder you. That, that would be nice. Yeah. I'm not terrified. When I go into a town in Red Dead Redemption 1, I'm not terrified that one wrong button press or one bumping into someone could result in a $15 bounty that gets half a dozen cops on me ass. Oh no, your horse ran over an animal. Better stop and skin it. <laughs> I was watching Angry Joe's um, review of it last night and I was pissing myself laughing because all the same things had happened to him, like, trying to get on your horse and attacking someone instead because they're on the same button. Yeah. And then trying to gallop off and escape and falling off the horse and, you know, getting in more trouble for that. And then it was just, okay, so it's not just me who's been having these problems. This is a universal thing. Like, Oh, no, everyone I know, everyone I know who's been playing it have had similar complaints. He, he gave it the incredibly low score of a nine, by the way. <gasps> travesty worst game ever obviously he hates rockstar and hates the game and yeah time to blacklist him but yeah no matter what type of game player they are anyone i know who's played it have all been like you know i'm enjoying it but it is fucking fiddly and annoying a lot it's an enjoyable game and an amazing technical achievement that is kind of broken and not always as fun as you would want it to be because of weird choices. Yeah, technologically amazing, design-wise somewhat regressive at times. Weird choices like unequipping your weapons all the time <sighs> and in some missions not even letting you re-equip them from your horse when you walk up to it. So you're stuck with a pistol. That's another convenient mod in Red Dead Redemption 1 where you can just have all your weapons if you want them because... It's not. Mm. That's not realistic. It's not realistic. Jim. It's you, better. You can't hold that many weapons at <laughs> once, Jim. It's better. 
is what it is. Jim, Jim, it's not realistic though. But at least they don't unequip. At least they don't un. You, I don't remember how the weapons work in Red Dead One, but I'm pretty sure they don't unequip every time you do anything. No, you you have access to every weapon in your inventory at all times. It's not realistic. It's better. Everyone, it's better. Mm. Yeah, but we want to be praised. We're so realistic. Our horse balls shrink in the snow. Speaking of inconvenient UIs and menus, the Pip Boy. <laughs> the Pip Boy was a cumbersome menu system when it paused the game. <laughs> now that it doesn't, it's like needs a complete rework and overhaul you mean you don't enjoy it when you're like tinkering around in the pit boy system and then a couple of scorched enemies like, are just kicking your asshole <laughs> just putting their foot clean inside your asshole while you're just trying to you know put on a new hat find a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> <sighs> Oh, God, why? When did video games become this? The, while I've been playing Fallout 76, one thought keeps going through my head that's not to do with Fallout 76 itself. I just keep thinking about Beyond Good and Evil 2 and being like, this is what this is going to be, isn't it? Mm. This is what Beyond Good and Evil 2 is going to be because they keep talking about how it's going to be this big procedural generated internet connected e something i'm like oh no you you're going to you're going to take the game i like and make it weird and empty. it oh video games can't just be video games anymore it's going to be the division that game no i miss when video games got to be the video game they were and didn't have to be this thing <laughs> it's all going exactly how i said it would go in terms of of the things that video game the video game industry is just stripping away from video games uh, to the point where they've all got to be these repetitive services and stuff. Uh, it's, I don't know how it can last. I don't know how it can sustain. Because people do not have time for all of these games doing the exact same bullshit. It's going to, like, Beyond Good and Evil, I feel like, is going to be another division. Yeah. Yeah. When really, they could have just made a, a game. How about that? Yeah, so I, I have watched a live stream that happened about Beyond Good and Evil 2 the other day, and, like, very mixed bag. They sh they showed off some of those... You know they're doing that whole thing where they're getting fans to make bits of creations to go in the game? Oh, where they're trying to get free content that they don't pay for? Well, they pay, but the, there's a big question mark of how much does anyone get paid for it. That's a mystery. There's a pool of money. How much will you get? Um... That that being said, they played a couple of tracks that like were created by fans that are going in the game, and I was like, you know what? Those are good. Those are good tracks. I enjoyed them. I would enjoy them in a Beyond Good and Evil. But then they started going on about like, oh yeah, you know those characters you've been those really cool character designs you've seen in all the trailers so far. Those are not who you play as. Oh. You can dress up your character in a skin to look like them, but they're actually NPCs that you'll meet out in the world, and it won't be addressed. If if you look like that character and then meet that character, it won't be addressed. You are you are a create your own you're the hero character, which is code for like there there will be no characteristics to the protagonist because they could be anyone. I'm just like, no. I mean that's fair enough. In Beyond Good and Evil, no one gave a shit about Jade. I gave a shit about Jade. I fucking love Jade. I know. I'm being very I'm being very sarcastic. Oh, okay. Very sarcastic. <laughs> I I I feel very silly now. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Um. <laughs> I'm just I'm 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 a I'm a terrific actor, so sometimes my sarcasm just comes across as genuine because I'm I'm Orson Welles, mate. Here's the thing: I was 
after those like last couple of E3 trailers, um, I, I believe her name is uh, Shani, the uh, the the woman with the the monkey friends. Oh yeah, she she looked like she'd be fun to play as. Yeah, she looks like a really cool design, and I was like, if this is a game about me getting to play as her, I'm I'm well up for that. I'm well up for another cool, well defined female lead with an animal human hybrid companion. That sounds awesome, and it's like, eh, eh, no, no. It's nice that Jade is at least going to be in it though. I mean, that that was good to find out. Well, you say that. I'm actually getting kind of worried about that. Because, mm, so they talked a little bit in this live stream about um, characters from the original Beyond Good and Evil. And they were talking about uh, Double H, who was the sort of uh, guy in the big suit of armour. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. And they said, oh yeah, so we're, we're in conversations. Uh, we would like to have characters from the first game, like Double H, show up in some capacity. We don't know how we're going to make them show up yet, but we'll make them show up. And the way they were talking about it was like, you don't have any fucking clue what you're doing, do you? Sounds like they haven't written it yet. It sounds like you're making this up. Like, you've got the gameplay systems, but it sounds like you've really not thought about the plot of this. It's an Ubisoft game. Plot's not important. Only the gameplay loop matters. Yeah. That's, I don't feel that's, having just come off Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I don't feel that's a fair criticism at all right now. I'm not saying they have bad stories. I'm saying the open world comes first, and then they write around it. Like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey had three different stories, and they were all great. Again, I'm not saying that it's bad writing. I'm saying it's not their priority. Mm. I, I will say it is not consistently their priority. There yeah. are things like Assassin's Creed where I think it is a big deal, but there are also things like Starlink that went completely off the rails and became very obvious was, no, this is a gameplay loop trying to get you to pay money and that is what this game is. And I worry that Beyond Good and Evil 2 is going to end up in that latter camp because of its focus on procedural generation and fan content and... Uh, oh, we haven't really decided what we're doing with these beloved characters. Maybe they'll make it in. We'll work it out. I'm like, this This all sounds like you're making, you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Sounds like the priorities are all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of this game, it seems they are caving to pressure to do Beyond Good and Evil, but they don't want a game that was Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. Because it didn't sell as well as they wanted it to. So they just want... Another very typical Ubisoft game with a skin around it of Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, and they don't know what they're doing, premise-wise. I'm going to be a sucker and I'm going to fucking buy it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking play that game because I, I will desperately cling on to the tiniest little slither of hope that it's, it, it'll be what I want. It'll probably, have, it, you know, it'll probably have lots that you enjoy in it, so it will be a justified purchase. You know? it, hope, hopefully it will, but like this... this in the same week watching this kind of worrying live stream and playing Fallout 76, I've just kind of convinced myself, maybe I should brace myself for uh, for for this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, brace yourself for that with, with almost any AAA game that comes out now. Like, people want that Diablo 4? Hell, I do as well. Let's not forget, that's a game all about picking up loot and levelling up and all this. <laughs> it's begging for monetization in Activision's eyes. Diablo 4 will not be... The Diablo we know. Yeah. Even if it even if it isn't on mobile. <laughs> even if it isn't, yeah, wherever it is. Just, just in closing on Fallout seventy six, right? Because I've been trying to say this now for twenty minutes. Sorry. Um, no, it's not your fault, Lord. This actually, I this is one of our most scattered episodes ever, and I kind of like it. We're all over the place, and I like it. <laughs> it's been nice, yeah. Um, 
this is the thing about Fallout 76. I, I've just this year played four open world games that were some of the best I've ever played between Divinity, Spider-Man and Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Red Dead. In every area, one of those games raised the bar for open world games. You know, but with Divinity, it was the storytelling and the the way you interact with the world and the way consequences happen and things and the multiplayer aspect of it. With Spider-Man, there's never been a city that felt more vibrant and alive, I don't think. Red Dead is just... Red Dead is Red Dead, yeah. Yeah, and Odyssey just did incredible things with with scale and with the gameplay loop and, and just... I can't really say what else it did because it's all spoilers, but it there's some fucking crazy good stuff in that game that an open world game has never done. And Fallout 76, I, I mean, I love you, Bethesda, but you're going to have to realise the bar has been raised now in the open world genre. Yeah, that's very fair. It's so, it's it, it does feel, going from any one of those, even Odyssey, which, you know, I've had my lengthily uh, detailed issues with it, but I, I would never be caught saying that it isn't far and away above Fallout 76. Fallout 76 is just bottom rung. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really plainly... It's really plainly demonstrating the differences between a crafted single-player open world and a multiplayer sandbox, and the fact that they're just not comparable. Yeah. They need to stick to games like Doom and Wolfenstein and like, the id stuff because as far as the open world, RPG, immersive and, and detailed world stuff building goes, they've been left in the dust. They're done. I don't agree with that. God, no, because uh, please, I need my Elder Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but if it's just going to be another, like the same engine and the same, unless it is rebuilt from scratch... They need to go back to being the people who led the field in, in that area. Well, yeah, yeah. Gav, just wait until they announce that uh, the subtitle for Elder Scrolls Six is uh, The Elder Scrolls Six Online Riel. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just another it's just another online multiplayer one. Just just brace for it, Gav. No. <laughs> Pacrim. Yeah. Uh so other things we've played this week. Jim, you've been playing that Spyro. Yeah, that was nice. It was a reminder of, of a time when video games could just be video games and game companies would just make a product and sell a product. And that was it. That's it. That was a, that was a nice time, wasn't it? It was a lovely time in 1998. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's so weird now. Like, like This highlights what Activision is now. Um, not that they really... I don't think they handled Spyro back in the day. But the fact that you could just say, I bought this game published by Activision and I am just happy playing it. No <laughs> catches, no caveats, no aggressive monetization. Just a simple, straightforward, fun game. Here is three fun-filled sort of mascot sandboxes that I can have the old music if I want and they look a bit nicer than they used to and I can just be a fun dragon going around saving the world. Everyone does silly voices. It's great. Yeah. Like, apparently this generation of, of games has been uh, just in the AAA space. For the most part, obviously there are exceptions, but for the most part it is 
highly monetized, cynically produced microtransaction factories and remasters of games that remind us just how much we've lost um, in the pursuit uh-huh. of the former. Um, it, it's been a delight playing Spyro Remastered, or Reignited Trilogy. Um, be warned, if you buy the physical edition, that you're only buying one game and you've got to download two of them. I, I think you get a couple of levels for two and three, but like... Ooh, very generous. It's not the complete games on disc, so like 20, 20 years from now, that disc won't give you all three yeah. games. Also similar with Fallout 76, there's like a 50 gig plus patch uh, because this industry is fucking absurd. The patch is bigger than the game. Yeah, probably because the patch is the game. Uh, there was there was a new uh, patch for Overwatch uh, this week where you have to download the entire game over from scratch. Like, it's not a patch, it's here's a new version of the game. And this industry is a joke. Yeah. This industry is a joke. On consoles especially, even on your Xbox One X and your PS4 Pro, there ain't enough hard drive space for these installations now. It's ludicrous. Um, but anyway, anyway, um, Reignited Trilogy, it's great. It's instantly more fun than the Crash Bandicoot remasters. Um, mostly because Spyro was always a better game. Um, nowhere near as annoying. No, none of that fiddly 3D platforming from an era when they were still trying to work it out. It doesn't. It it doesn't have in inverted commas old school difficulty. <laughs> yes, um, it benefits from a, a, an o- a more open level design because it was obviously more of a collectathon style platformer than uh, something like Crash Bandicoot, closer to your Banjo Kazooie type of game. Yeah, it's the sort of like if if you get stuck on a thing, you can go do something else for a bit kind of structure. Yeah. The open level design's nice. Uh, Spyro having four legs. I just feel that that <laughs> makes for better platforming. He's just got a wider horizontal base. Um, the dash is still... I used to love doing that in the old game when it came out. Um, just pr- holding down a button to dash. Um, I kind of wish they'd put that on a trigger. Uh, they put the, the flame breath on the right trigger. But I'd have taken the dash so he controls a little bit more like a car. Um, he, he just it just seems to fit, uh, but the dash is great fun, smashing into enemies. Um, the gliding, always gonna be happy with any sort of gliding in a three D platformer, uh, to get across gaps, and yeah, like I I like Banjo Kazooie well enough, but I never got into a lot of collectathon platformers except Spyro. Uh, I got that when it first came out. I still remember the weird TV commercial they had for it in the UK, where people are waiting at a train station looking up at that big board that tells you when the trains are coming in. And then all of a sudden, one person spouts flame breath, and then everyone at the train station does it. And that was a commercial. Old UK PlayStation ads. I suggest anyone look them up on YouTube. They're weird as fuck. Um, Some of them were directed by um, Chris Cunningham, who did like all the Aphex Twin and Bjork videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Did he do that one with the woman with the weird head? The alien girl, yeah, Yeah, he did that one. The Scottish girl with the weird head. He did one with a a truck smashing something or other. It's way in the back of my memory. But yeah, he directed a lot of those PlayStation ads. That's so weird. So weird. And the Saps ones were good. So, was it Society Against PlayStation or something? And they had a, a, a guy doing warning, almost Jack Thompson-esque, um, although it was before his time, warning people against the damaging effects of PlayStation. Um, God, they did weird commercials. But anyway, Spyro is, is very, very good. Um, 
whatever enhancements they may have made to the controls have only helped it. It wasn't like how in Crash Bandicoot Remastered where the uh, they added weight to Crash so the jumping was even worse. That, none of that. Mm. I, I, I feel none of that here. Uh, what I'll say about this is I was never a big PlayStation person, so um, really the, the Crash and Spyro Remasters have been my introduction to properly playing those games. Like, I, I tried them here and there at friends' houses, but, like, this is the first time I've really sunk my teeth into either of those franchises, and Spyro undeniably feels more more at home as a modern game in this remaster than Crash does. Like, Crash feels very much like you're playing, like, a very nicely made-up old game, but it's an old game. Um, Spyro... It controls well. Um, oh yeah, like the the core gameplay of it is as good. It it's just stayed good. If anything, like the big complaint I've seen from people online is apparently it used to be more difficult, and like the new controls have made it t- t- easier than people remember, which is not a problem for me. I yeah. I am happy to not be frustrated by poor controls from the nineties. I mean that's it. Like if your game's made more difficult because of shoddy controls. That's not good. <laughs> That's how I remember it, though, Jim. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. It. I think the any any improvements they've made have been in its favour. Mm. Um, I, I think looking back, um, yeah, maybe the older one was a t- touch more difficult. But I do think a lot of that came down to controls and 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 the era it came from. Mm. So for it to be modernised in this way, um, I don't mind that it's not as challenging. I mean, it, it's a fucking game about a little dragon running around picking up crystals it's it's not dark souls even though i've played dark souls so much when i first started playing this game i was trying to kite enemies and lure them into attacking and then attacking and that's not how you play old games um i was struggling at the the beginning because i forgot that really you just if they're wearing metal you just run into them and if they they're not just spout fire at them without thinking um, once I did that, it became pretty satisfying. You, you actively can't kite some of them because they see you and run the fuck away. Some of them run away. Uh, some of them attack just <laughs> too quickly to do anything but hit them first. Um, I, yeah. once I remembered that this wasn't Dark Souls, <laughs> uh, I did just fine. Um. That's, uh, that sounds like my Bloodborne experience, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once I re- once I stopped playing it like Dark Souls, it became fun. Readjust. Um, yeah, I played so much Dark Souls Remastered lately that I, I think it's creeped into other games. Not Fallout seventy six because you couldn't confuse that for Dark Souls uh, on a rainy Wednesday night. So Fallout seventy six is Dead Souls. Yes, de- very much so. Uh, not Dead Cells, which is an actual good game. Um, Spyro looks better than Fallout seventy six. It just does. It's more visually interesting. That 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 is true. Um, it's a, it's another reminder of why it's such a waste that mascot platformers and other brightly coloured games did not continue in the HD era of games. That publishers decided we all want grey bleak shooters, which can look nice in HD, but something like Spyro on a 4K TV looks fucking amazing. Yeah. A, a a nice a nice crisp uh, art direction like mascot platformers with nice use of color and just like block shapes of color looks so good in a modern era. And Mar- Mario Odyssey showed mm. us that it can be done in new ways. 
and 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 be absolutely phenomenal. Ma- Mario Odyssey was stunning. Mario Galaxy still looks good now. Like it it is a real shame that we don't have more games learning those visual lessons. Oh, yeah. People laughed at me when I said Viva Piñata was the best looking game last generation. It was. Yeah. I I I think New Donk City and Mario Odyssey is honestly one of the most genius amazing feats of level design ever. It's such a incredible little level it's just amazing plus it's called new donk city which which we must always remember it's just a beautiful <laughs> densely packed sandbox or toy toy box it's oh it's so good it's like here have some joy have some more joy <laughs> uh part of me really wants to go back and replay some odyssey at this point yeah. like oh it's so good it's it's by quite a margin my favorite mario game i i i doubt You'd find many people who would disagree with that. It is a uh, yeah. pretty fantastic game. It's the best Mario game. Um, Three still gets my nostalgia going the most, but this is the best one. I um, Super Mario Galaxy Two is underappreciated for how great it was. Mm. Like that, that was a stunning game that did not get the love the first entry got. But like Mario Odyssey set a heckin' bar. And it included an option to not die when you fall in the pits, which is all I've ever wanted from Mario. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the the only other thing I've played this week, um, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, I've been playing so much fucking Pokemon this week. Oh yeah, that that Pokemon Let's Go on the Switch. Uh, is that out yet? It's out on Friday, so it's out the day after this goes up. Out on Friday. Is this is this an expansion or is it a whole new thing? Oh wait, no. Of course, it's not an expansion. It's on the Switch. Sorry, I thought you said mobile. No, no, no. Um, so basically, like at its core, it's an HD remake of Pokemon Yellow. Um, you get your starter that's Pikachu or Eevee. They follow you around. They're your best friend. Go get the hundred and fifty Pokemon. Beat the gyms. Whatever. Um, there's a few changes that I think were really welcomed. Um, there is additional plot things dropped here and there that better contextualize why some of the original Gen 1 plot happened so that it doesn't feel quite so arbitrarily like, wait, okay, why is a kid doing this and no one's trying to help them? Like, they drop some plot things in to be like, okay, there's there's a bit more of a world happening around this this simple story. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about some changes they've made to, like, the, the, the core systems. Um, it's... If you're comparing this to, like, the last big main entries like Pokemon Sun and Moon, you've obviously got a much more restricted roster of, of Pokemon. It's literally just Gen 1 and that's it. Um, they've reduced down a few of the mechanics to make things a little more simplified. Um, you don't have held items. Um, and for people who care about EV training, which is one of the particular like high-end, very specific Pokemon stat building things. Oh, I forgot about those. Oh, they drive me mad. It's not really there in the same way. Um, IVs, which is like a... Basically, what's the potential of this individual version of the Pokemon you've caught? They're still there, but they're much more transparently demonstrated now. Like, you can go look at a Pokemon and press one button, and it's like, here is a graph showing you what percentage on all these angles, how perfect your Pokemon is. Do you want to catch another one that's got a better graph? It, it makes that not invisible stats anymore, which makes it much 
much more appealing to actually try and get a better version of the Pokemon that you want, mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, I'm going to have to do maths outside of the game to work this out, which has just never appealed to me as much as I love Pokemon. I, I always enjoy Pokemon until I remember EVs are a thing. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm too lazy to care about that. But I'm also too nitpicky to not then be constantly bothered by the fact my Pokemon isn't Peter Perfect, the perfect Pokemon. Here's the thing. If you want your Pokemon to be Peter Perfect, the perfect Pokemon, it's a lot easier in this. Because the basic system is catch a Pokemon, press the Y button when you're looking at it in your box, and it will bring up a graph that goes, how close to perfect on all these lines is it? If you catch that same Pokemon over and over and over again, which is easier because they're all visible on the home world now... You basically build a combo which trends upwards the average stats of that species you're catching, so you're more likely to get one with better stats. So I can get the Ekans of my dreams. You can get the Ekans of your dreams. You just catch a bunch of Ekans and they will get better as you catch more of them. <gasps> I can never have enough Ekanses either. Oh, that's perfect. Exactly. There's an unlimited size box. You can have as many Ekans <gasps> as you fucking want, Jim. All Ekans, all the time. Ekans party. Also, if you like the idea of a shiny Ekans, if you catch what? Ekans... One after another, after another, after another. As you do it, the chance of you finding a shiny one incredibly increases. West Virginia! <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, it's they've made it... A, a, the other thing is, instead of EVs, they basically, as you catch Pokemon, you now get candy that will bump up that stat, essentially the way that EVs used to. And it's like, hey, here is all your candy to bump up that stat with Pokemon. You've earned it by going and getting these specific Pokemon. Now use it to bump up your Ekans into the perfect Ekans. I went from being interested <laughs> enough in Pokemon to picking it up. I, I, I loved the original Pokemon. I've gone from, over the course of this discussion, I've gone from <laughs> being interested enough to pick it up to needing it inside <laughs> my penis and testicles. So what you're saying is this game will somehow drag you away from Fallout 76. Oh, somehow. I am going to need to muster up some conviction to tear my hands off of my controller to go play Pokemon. But I think (laughs) I'm going to manage. It's not all perfect. There are a couple of things that I was a bit iffy about when I started, and I should probably get them out of the way. Um, So... You know, when you're trying to catch Pokemon, you no longer do the thing you used to do of attack them till their health is low, try and paralyze them, then throw the ball at them. It's now much more Pokemon Go. It's throw the ball, get the timing right, it'll stay in the ball. Um, I was a li- initially a bit, like, not keen on that. There were a couple of times I was trying to catch legendaries and I'd be, like, 20 balls into trying to catch it. And I was like, just let me fucking fight this thing and paralyze it and it'll fucking stay in there. Yeah. Um, I stopped being annoyed at it in the end game because, like, in the post game, I've been quite invested in trying to get the best possible version of, of Pokemon. Um, which is, you know, as I said, much easier to do because of the transparency of how you do that now. And You've served me well, old friend, but I've found a better Ratatat. So you can fuck <laughs> off. It's not even called it's not even called Ratatat. Well, no joke though, like I'm I'm I caught how many I've caught 180 tentacle today in a row trying to find the perfect tentacle because there's all these trainers dotted around the world in the post game where it's like I have the perfect tentacle. Can you fucking beat me with your tentacle? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking... I'm going to get the title of tentacle master. Hell yeah. Um, But yeah, so in, in that post game where I'm just catching lots and lots of the same Pokemon to try and get better ones, 
I kind of like that it is a more streamlined process and it's just go in, do the thing, catch it, keep going. Mm. Like, it's... I'm not finding I'm having to run back to the Pokemon Center every 20 minutes because I ran out of moves on my team and stuff like that. I It makes it easier to just stay out and keep catching if that's what you're doing. I guess I'll, uh... Yeah. I, I guess I'll have to, to feel it out as I play it and see. Yeah. It's, it, it weirded me out at first, but it, it grew on me in the end game. Um, I'm glad you reminded me of that, though, so I don't get... Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing to be reminded of is this game has no way to not have motion controls be at least part of the experience. Um, so... If you're playing this game docked, your only option is to throw the Joy-Con towards the TV and make a throwing motion and that's how you throw the Pokeball when you're catching. There is no other option on in docked. In handheld, you can aim where you're going to throw the, the Pokeball with your analog stick and press A to throw it. You can do it as an analog stick and button thing. Much like Splatoon 2, there is Gyro that does the fine-tune aiming thing, which... For me, that worked great. I've been really enjoying playing this in handheld. Like, fine-tuning with a little bit of motion, stick and button works great for me. It's really not great for people who have things like Parkinson's, who have uh, Tourette's with motor tics, who may not be able to prevent hand movement. Yeah. It's not great that you cannot turn off that gyro stuff, which is completely unnecessary. You could totally play this game perfectly well with just analog stick and button if they would let you like i i'm really frustrated that they do not give you the option as a player to say when i am playing docked on the tv i would like to use the analog stick to aim and a to fire like i do in handheld mode that's not an option if you want to turn off gyro that's not an option and that kind of sucks because as i understand it the pokemon company uh ceo or director who talked about this was like oh i put motion in and i was worried people wouldn't play with the motion so i made it mandatory and i didn't give them an option to turn it off because i was worried they wouldn't do it if it was optional if you think people wouldn't use a feature in your game don't put it in to begin with like yeah i didn't think people would use this so i made them use it that is that is not good design don't waste your time putting it in if it's a feature you don't think people actually want. No. Like, here's the thing. For me, playing playing on the handheld, I really like the whole analog stick, little bit of gyro, and button press. That works really well for catching for me. Like, I've primarily played this game handheld because that's how I've been enjoying it forcing motion on me. I prefer... Like, I actively like that control scheme. I'd have loved to have that control scheme on docked as well. Like, button an analog stick, and maybe a bit of gyro with my controllers. That would have been great, but no, no, that's only for handheld. Yeah. Um, so that's not great, and it took me, like, the catching mechanic had to grow on me, but I've been really enjoying just a nice HD remake of, of Gen 1 that has some interesting, like, post-Elite 4 content, and that actually makes me want to train up the perfect... In this case, perfect tentacle. I've never cared about tentacle, but fuck it. I'm going to have a really good shiny tentacle. I'm going to fucking show you all. Because then I'll be tentacool. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. 
Also, I dressed up Pikachu in like a hat and sunglasses and a little jacket and put, I put flowers on their tail and they're adorable. I gave them a little fringe. (laughs) Sweet mother of fuck. My God. I know. As adorable as being voiced by Deadpool. Oh, that trailer, huh? We didn't even talk about that, did we? Yeah. Should we talk about that trailer quickly? Oh, Detective Pikachu. I, I'm going to go see it. Well, I'll say it's the first time I've ever felt an even remotely passing inkling to participate in anything Pokemon. <laughs> that trailer starts off, a, it looks a little uncanny valley at first, but by the end of that trailer, I did not care because Ryan Reynolds seems like a really fucking funny Detective Pikachu. It's It looks like the kind of thing I'd give it a chance if it comes, comes on Netflix. Yeah. I may have to, I don't go to the movie theatres often but I may have to go to the cinema for this one I might have to as well like here's the thing the last couple of Deadpool films have really sold me on the comedic talents of Ryan Reynolds uh, he's very beautiful and such a talent oh I'm very very up for the idea of Ryan Reynolds being an angry little mouse that everyone just thinks sounds like an adorable Pikachu, but he's there like, ah, oh, I'm effing, I'm blind, and I'm going to be the detective. Yeah. If it wasn't going to be Danny DeVito, then I'm glad it was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, that that Mr. Mime at the end of the trailer is creepy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Weird and unsettling. A funny scene, though. Like, someone said that uh, that was what convinced them this might actually be worth seeing yeah and i I have to agree that that showed that they they seem to know what they're doing they they seem to understand like how to correctly make the juxtaposition of angry man and cute mouse into a funny thing yeah like this is the kind of thing that you should like fallout 76 be asking who is it for but i can easily see they know what they're going for they know who they're appealing to. I think someone on Twitter said it was like tired millennials with nostalgia goggles on and they've nailed that demographic. That is exactly it though. It's kids that grew up like during the height of Pokemania who are now depressed millennials who are like, oh yeah, no, I want an, a, a depressed adult comedy starring Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, this this will help me forget for 90 minutes that I can't afford to save my money. Um, perfect. Uh, yeah, that I'm 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 really into that. I I wasn't sold, and now I'm really into it. I want to see this film. Yeah, the boomers took everything, then called us lazy. Let's go watch Detective Pikachu. <laughs> uh, uh, we got anything else this week, or is that it for us? How is everyone? Welcome to Podquisition. Welcome to Podquisition. <laughs> I'm Sterling. I'm joined by Laura Kay. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I broke my toe last night. Otherwise, I'm all right. Oh, no. Yeah. I stubbed my toe on the bed and it made a crack sound Oof. and it's not doing good today. Oh. That's bad. It means I don't get to do roller derby. I'm very sad. I don't get to go do my team training tonight. And you didn't get to injure it at roller derby, which is a cool injury. Indeed. Yeah, that would have been a heroic injury. I did get a really cool bruise last week that looks kind of like a Metroid. So, you know... Swings and roundabouts. I got a cool derby bruise last week. That's something. And Gavin, how are you? <laughs> yeah, fine. Good. Cool, cool. Now, Laura, how do people find your content on the internet if they want it? You can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, you can find my books uh, in various places. I've got a memoir coming out in July 2019 called Uncomfortable Labels. I've got a book about video game character butts that is illustrated and has all sorts of really cool people involved in it. You can check that out on Unbound. Uh, things I learned from Mario's butt. Uh, we're about 70% funded. We are we are continuing to creep up there towards funding. So pick it up if you're interested. We've got 
audiobook versions, hardback versions, signed versions, versions that are the hard book that uh, the hardback that comes with the audiobook. Give it a look. Um, other than that, I'm on Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, and five. Season five has Comrade Zimmerman as one of the players as well. If you like him, I think that's about it. Terrifico. And Gavin, music, please. You do it. Where where can listen, please? You can find me uh, on YouTube under Miracle of Sound. You can see all my cool songs there. You can find me on Spotify and iTunes and all the good stores. And you can also find me ranting away on Twitter, uh, being a poser on Instagram. And you can support me on Patreon if you want to help me doing music as my job. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, it is now with a heavy heart I must announce that I will stop recording this and go and play more Fallout 76 <gasps> while constantly asking who the fuck was this made for. Um, you know who it was made for? Was that? West Virginia! West Virginia! <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think that's it. I like the way you had two very different interpretations of the song there. Yeah. I think variety is the spice of life. Uh, Jim had a kind of an Andrew WK version going on there. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I'm so bored. I'm going to go and play it again. You know, it's interesting that they had Andrew WK at the Bethesda event, but this game is like the opposite of Andrew WK. That should have been the tagline for this game, the opposite of Andrew WK. This goes against everything he fought and died for. So... <laughs> Please listen to the message of Andrew WK and don't don't do Fallout 76. Oh god, I've got to go play it again. All right, let's wrap this up so I can go play more. Uh thank you for listening. Party hard. Party hard always. <laughs> Keep the spirit of WK alive in your hearts and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.